We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day podcast. You can get all your Pack a Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack a Day Podcast. And remember, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I'm joined by my co-host, Andrew Mertig. We're back for another Friday edition of the podcast. Andrew, how are you this week? We are. It's great to see you again, Kyle. Great to be back. I do have to admit, I've been pretty negative about this organization for quite a while. And, you know, you and I, we we sort of started talking off-season a month and a half ago. And now... (laughs) Kind of out of nowhere, the Packers find themselves in the thick of a playoff hunt. And I, I still don't think this is a very good team. But what they have shown is a whole heck of a lot of resilience, which is very respectable. And and it's certainly great to be talking about actual football instead of just the offseason and draft. So I'm really excited to get into what this matchup is going to look like this week. Yeah, I'm totally with you. And <clears throat> excuse me, I think that the most exciting thing is probably that they don't quit kind of mentality. This is something that at the beginning of the season, it kind of felt like things were unraveling and there was criticism of coaches and organization, um, you know, from the top down. I think the most exciting thing is that this is a group that's not quitting. So that's fun as a fan and fun for the future as you kind of project forward. But I agree with you that this isn't the best football team that the Packers have put on the field in recent years. They were better in 2021. They were better in 2020. Arguably, both seasons could have and should have ended in Super Bowls, but they did not. I don't need to remind anyone. And now the Packers... They're the underdog, right? They have that chip on their shoulder. Nobody believes in them, and they might just be ready to play loose, right? Something that they did not do uh, in these previous playoff opportunities and really play some good playoff football, even if they're not maybe as talented of a roster 
as what we've seen in years past. So who knows what's going to happen? We're excited to see it play out. And it all does start on Sunday afternoon at Lambeau in what is a must-win game against the Vikings. And so, of course, we're back for another round of the key matchups and X-Factors to help you get ready for the game. And as we always do, we're going to dive into the Vikings, their roster, and talk about which matchups are going to be tipping points in the football game. And then, of course, we won't let you get out of here without those X-Factor predictions that we always do. So let's get started. This is going to be a fun one. Andrew, what's your first matchup that you are going to be watching when Green Bay hosts Minnesota on Sunday? Yeah, last week I started out with a slam dunk, super easy matchup. The one everybody's going to be watching, I'm going to do the exact same thing this week. And that is the Packers secondary versus Justin Jefferson. The Packers face pro football focuses number one graded wide receiver in Tyreek Hill last Sunday. And then this week they get the number two graded receiver in Justin Jefferson. So, <laughs> so it doesn't get a lot easier. Uh, and I'm sure we all remember Jefferson torching the Packers for nine catches, 184 yards and two touchdowns in week one. And Jefferson is a legitimate MVP candidate, and I would say the favorite for Offensive Player of the Year. Mm. But if you want a reason for optimism, last season the Packers gave up eight catches for 169 yards and two touchdowns to Jefferson in their first matchup in the Bird Murder Dome in front of that disgusting frat boy crowd that refers to themselves <laughs> as Vikings fans. You may even remember that the blowhard imbecile Paul Allen just crowed on about having Eric Stokes cover Jefferson all the time, right? I'd love that matchup because supposedly he got his feelings hurt from a former Vikings coach who is now with the Packers. Um, well, the Vikings come, uh, the Vikings came to Lambeau in Week 17 last year too, and that game ended up 37 to 10 Green Bay. It was a beatdown. Justin Jefferson was held to six catches for 58 yards. Granted, Kirk Cousins did not play in that game. But remember, there was also no Jair Alexander. So I have to think Jair was in Joe Barry's office first thing Monday morning, begging for more opportunities to shadow and take on Jefferson one on one. I saw I saw the quotes he made right about it being a fluke. Yeah, I think that was the term. Uh, so Spicy, Jair right? really like driving things up. Yeah. Uh, I, he is a guy that doesn't mind creating a little bulletin board material. And I, I think that is going to be real fun. Uh, I don't necessarily think the smartest way is just to throw Jair on an an island against Jefferson or, you know, have him follow him around. That's not really what the Packers do, but it definitely would not be worse than what they did in week one. So there's a reason this matchup is the whole Packers secondary instead of just Jair versus Justin Jefferson, because that is what it's going to take. The safety play, it's been really bad. It needs to be a whole heck of a lot better. Jair needs to be better, quite frankly. But Jefferson isn't always his normally great self on slow tracks. And if the Packers can hold Jefferson down to under 100 yards, I do think that they have a great chance to win this game. And I'll talk a little bit about some of the Vikings' other threats on offense. I don't necessarily respect them. So I think if if the the Packers can, can do a good job on Jefferson, uh, that they have a really, really good chance. Sounds like you've got a game plan in mind that favors just shutting down Jefferson. That's the priority. That's how they get this win. It's going to be really interesting. I, I mean, I saw all of the comments coming from Jair, and they were um, pretty pointed, right? I mean, he's not shying away from what is – he's setting the standard going into this game. And I do, I do think it's going to be interesting because Jair has the skill set. He's that twitchy athlete. Um, Rasul Douglas is not necessarily that athlete. He's more instinctual and those kinds of things. 
Whereas you, you want Jefferson in that position to make those plays. So hopefully they give him that opportunity. I don't think that that's crazy. Uh, I mean, I know that Barry has things that he wants to do, uh, but I think this is a pretty clear one that you want your best player on the opposing best player as much as possible. So we'll see what happens. It's going to be a big one. Um, I've got the Vikings offensive line versus the Packers pass rush here. And I know that this is kind of a broad matchup, uh, but there are a lot of elements to this. So I just decided to kind of leave it like that. Uh, first, the Vikings offensive tackles have been very, very good this season. Christian Derisaw is PFF's second highest graded offensive tackle in the league. And then Brian O'Neill is number five. So he's right behind in there. Teams around the league would kill for the offensive tackle play that Minnesota has had this season. And that's a kind of a new chapter in the book for them. It hasn't always been that good. So they're enjoying that. Um, and while we've enjoyed Kingsley Enigbare and his rise, uh, Preston Smith has continued to be a playmaker. This is going to be a tough assignment to win off the edge on Sunday. Now, the other part of this conversation is the Vikings' interior offensive line. And I think that may be where Green Bay is actually more likely to get pressure on Kirk Cousins. The Vikings' starting um, interior guys are Ezra Cleveland, Garrett Bradbury, and Ed Ingram along the interior there. And they are not very good in pass protection. Bradbury has been decent there. But if we remember history here, Kenny Clark has kind of owned Bradbury throughout his career. The other two guys... Uh, Cleveland and Ingram both grade very poorly as pre pass protectors. PFF is graded 83 guards in the NFL. Cleveland and Ingram grade as guard 65 and guard 76. So not very far from that 83 number. So they're very, very beatable. And then on top of all of that, they're beat up right now. They're hurt. Bradbury has a back injury that's been causing him to miss some practices. He hasn't practiced Wednesday or Thursday this week. Cleveland uh, has been limited in practice with a shoulder injury. If Bradbury can't go, it looks like they're going to start Austin Schlotman at center, and he's been even worse, right? He's logged 200 snaps, so this isn't somebody who's played 15 snaps, and we don't really have a gauge on how well he's going to play. He's basically an open door to the quarterback if you look at PFF or even Twitter to see how Vikings fans have re reacted to the news that he might get an opportunity to start. So it's going to be really, really interesting. And I will be watching to see if Green Bay does dial up some pressure up the middle to disrupt Cousins since getting pressure off the edge might just be kind of that tough task with those uh, offensive tackles playing the way that they are right now. Yeah, a few things. Number one, expertly done on Schlotman. Schlotman. It's a, a pretty great name for a pretty below average center. Um, <laughs> and then... It would not be the Pack Day podcast leading up to the Vikings and Packers if you didn't mention Kenny Clark. Had to. Against Garrett Bradbury. Had that has been your key matchup since Garrett Bradbury was drafted. It's, it's amazing. Year, clockwork. Yeah, like, what, three clockwork. Years now? Don't yeah. even need to update the script. It's just <laughs> Kenny Clark versus Garrett Bradbury. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is obviously Kenny Clark, right? This is an opportunity for Devontae Wyatt to write yes. his name down, right? Like yes. maybe shut up a little bit of the the noise that we've heard about how Devontae Wyatt isn't any good. He can't get yeah. on the field. He's peaking at the right time, and this yeah. is a matchup that should have him licking his chops. And that offensive line is going to be protecting Kirk Cousins, as you mentioned. And my next matchup is Kirk Cousins versus historic Lambo field. So what we want to say, if you're going to the game, 
or even if you're just like tailgating and you want to stand outside the stadium and make some noise, get loud Lambo. Let's go. Uh, you know, Kirk Cousins, he's having a great season. But when you really boil down the tape, he's still the same cringy Kirk Cousins we know and love. He has made mistakes a ton of times in crucial times of games, but there are just a bunch of like dropped interceptions and picks called back by penalties that are kind of making it seem like he's playing a little bit better than he actually is. The difference is he's largely made plays when he isn't throwing to the other team. But I think we get caught up in this, like, quote-unquote clutch narrative. Like, Kirk gets credit for being clutch in the Bills game, for instance. Let's really analyze what he did there. He threw a YOLO ball on fourth down, and Justin Jefferson made an all-time catch to bail him out. And then they still failed and turned the ball over on downs, and then Josh Allen out-choked Kirk on that day by dropping the snap. So crowd noise has always and can to this day really rattle this dude. So once again, get loud Lambo. Also, don't sell your tickets to Vikings fans. Yes. Side note. Do uh, there, there's one other aspect of Lambo, right? Like it, it can be cold at times. Now, now, the forecast has it as a pretty mild January day, a high of 37, a low of 28. By kickoff with the sun setting, I'd expect maybe mid-30s and dropping. So normally, this should not be a problem for a team from Minnesota. But we know the Vikings organization and fans are a bunch of cowards who do not <laughs> play outside. So the only cold game the Vikings played this season was the aforementioned Bills game. It, it was 35 in upstate New York. It was snowy, so, you know, they, it, it was a game in the elements. Cousins went 30 for 50 uh, for 357 yards. So 357 yards sounds really great, but 30 for 50 is not. One touchdown, two interceptions. The previous cold game for Kirk was in 2018 against the Chicago Bears. He went 30 for 46 for 262 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. That's also not very good. So even though he played his college ball at Michigan State, he lives in the conditions in, in Minneapolis. He he does not have much of a track record of success in the elements. Yeah, I mean, we know he likes to rock the dad, you know, clothing line. So I'm, I'm assuming he's going to be wearing like a really high, like turtleneck probably in this game. It's probably a given, but um, all good points there. Um, and I, it'll be interesting to see. He's played well, but I like the context that you put in there. Uh, just to keep in mind as we think about what Kirk Cousins has done this year. My next one here is Romeo Dobbs and Alan Lazard versus Cameron, Cameron Dantzler. There it is. Um, I think we all hope, right, that Christian Watson is able to go in this football game. He deserves the chance, right, to rewrite what went wrong in week one when he dropped that long bomb from Rodgers. But I just don't know if that's going to happen. I hope it does. I think Green Bay is going to be really cautious with Watson, especially after the injury set him back earlier this year. Um, I hope he hangs 100 yards and two touchdowns on the Vikings. Uh, but if even if he does play, I think that there's reason to think that the Packers' second and third receivers could feast in this game. Patrick Peterson has actually been really good for Minnesota as their cornerback one. Dantzler, on the other side, has been more of the liability. And so whoever gets that matchup is going to have opportunities. And my hunch is that Dobbs will continue to shine and get a healthy amount of targets in this game. Uh, one other thing to watch, the Vikings have... Harrison Smith, and he's always someone that you have to account for, even as he is getting older. I believe he's 35 years old now. Uh, but Cameron Bynum is the other safety, and he's been absolutely atrocious in coverage this year. So I'd keep an eye on that combo. If you can get Dantzler and Bynum 
that combo together could mean big things for guys like Dobbs and Lazard if they're the ones making plays if Christian Watson's out or if they're your number two and number three options. Yeah, it, one interesting note that I caught on um, from watching the Vikings game this past week is that the Vikings have essentially relegated Patrick Peterson to the short side of the field, and Dantzler is playing the wide side of the field. Oh, so however, however that tilts. Um, and really taking advantage of Peterson's ball skills, but helping him to not have to worry so much yeah. about his limited athleticism as he gets older. Huh. And that's a brilliant move. But it does expose a guy like Dantzler, who was not a very uh, his. I, I, I'm not going to like try to quote what his his 40 number was, but it wasn't good. Um, I remember him as a prospect having limited athleticism. And I think that's something that you can definitely expose. And so hopefully the Packers have Watson, as you mentioned. But if not, I think a guy like Romeo Dobbs has a chance to really like work against him. Was that a hand raise? You're muted. I was so on it. I was I was with I was working with the producer and I just I almost nailed it. No, Cameron Dantzler with a four point six four forty. So I, I was gonna say four six two, so I guess my memory that, is still pretty sharp. Pretty good. Um but in order for the Packers to take advantage of that Viking secondary, they're gonna have to hold up in protection. And so my key matchup, this is the most names I have ever had in a key matchup since we've <laughs> since we've done this. But it's David Bakhtiari slash Yash Nyman slash Zach Tom slash Royce Newman versus Daniil Hunter and Darius Smith because we don't know which tackles are available. That's going to determine so much of this game's grip for the Packers. And, and we won't have a great idea who is going to be up until this weekend. Things look promising, I think, for Bakhtiari, certainly. Um, but even if he is back, it's tough to know how much rust and and just how good a physical shape he is going to be coming in off an appendectomy. It, it took Joe Burrow quite a while to really look like himself this season, uh, coming off the same thing. And, and we know the Vikings edge rushers are really good and can disrupt much of your game plan. Hunter is rated as uh, graded as the seventh best edge rusher by um, pro football focus and Zedaria Smith is not far behind at number 12. So, you know, that's a really good place to be in. Vikings really good at offensive tackle. Like you talked about really good at edge rusher on the other side of the ball, but this isn't simply like get on your heels and win one-on-one like the Packers 10 years ago, the Vikings edge rushers need to be attacked in the running game. And this is especially true of Zedarius. Z has always had some of those classic like Clay Matthews reps with the Packers where he would just guess pass and then he runs himself right out of his lane, hurts his team. There's also a massive drop off of intensity at times when defending the run. So the best way to beat the Vikings is to wear down those edge rushers by running at them and then using play action to get after them. And in addition, neither is great at dropping off in coverage and Minnesota is very susceptible to passes to the running backs. In fact, when the Cowboys obliterated the Vikings, it was mostly on Tony Pollard passes like uh, just over and over and over. They just kept checking down to Tony Pollard and he was just carving them apart. But there will be some important situations in this game where the pack or where the Packers tackles just have to win one on one reps to keep the Packers in the game. So you why this is a key matchup for me. You cannot let Zedarius and Daniil Hunter wreck your game plan. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Absolutely. And I, it's funny, I think we're just kind of obsessed with the trenches today, Andrew, because I'm going to stay right there. Um, the Packers interior offensive line just coming inside versus Dalvin Tomlinson and Harrison Phillips. Andrew, you talked about the important work the offensive tackles have in this matchup, but I really think the interior guys have a tough task here as well with those guys, Tomlinson and Phillips. Both guys can be disruptive in both the run game. They can affect the passer. Now, we've seen Elton Jenkins returning to his dominant form. He's getting back to who he was. He just got paid, so he's feeling really good. Uh, Josh Myers has been mostly steady, especially as a pass blocker. And then this week, Aaron Rodgers actually made a point to praise John Runyon Jr. And 12 said that he doesn't think that Runyon gets the praise that he deserves for how well he's played. And actually, it's interesting that the numbers from PFF match up. Uh, They have him as the seventh highest graded guard in football, in pass pro specifically. So just interesting. Uh, So this is a decent group that Green Bay has. I think they're really becoming happy with this young unit that they have in the interior of the offensive line. And we know that these divisional games are always close. These teams know each other so well. And so I think it is going to come down to these matchups in the trenches, like you're pointing out and like I'm saying here. So I'll be watching to see if Green Bay's interior can win their matchup with these guys like Tomlinson and Phillips. Yeah, thanks for pointing that out. Because honestly, in in this stretch run, the, the last three wins, I've really been paying attention to the defense. And so it's easy to overlook that interior of the offensive line, which was downright a liability when the Packers were struggling early in the season, middle of the season. And so it does make sense that, um, you know, the offense would move a little bit better. The running game would work a little bit better. Aaron Rodgers would have more time in the pocket as they start to solidify. And that is, you know, I mean, it's, it's a couple of young guys and then Elton Jenkins coming off an injury. So it does make sense that it would take a little bit of time to solidify for them. Uh, So those are key matchups. And now we transition over to X factors. Uh, These are the players we think are going to make the biggest difference or uh, really kind of come out of nowhere in this table breaking matchup (laughs) between the Packers and the bills bills. No, that's not right. The Vikings. I like the the 
Our show doc still says the Dolphins. <laughs> it does. I don't know. We're uh, we're on to Minnesota. That's that's. This is this is like year four of us doing <laughs> the Friday shows, and we're it's just all muscle memory at yeah, this point. It is. It is. We know what we're doing. Trust us. Okay. So X who's your X factor? Yeah, my X factor here is uh is Quay Walker. And I mentioned that I think Green Bay will dial up some interesting pressures to expose the interior of this Vikings offensive line. And I think Walker has shown that he is an ascending player. He's an exciting player. He's done a lot of nice things. But I also think he's shown that he's most impactful when he can just use that athleticism and just go, right? At this point in his career, there's a lot that he's got to learn, a lot that he's going to grow in. I think the rest of that game is going to come for him. I think it's going to slow down. I think we'll see that growth and progression from him over time. But I think right now that athleticism on display is where he is most exciting. It's where we can see him most quickly affect the game. And I think the Packers will use him there this week, especially as he works to contain someone like Dalvin Cook. But also after uh, he's going to be someone who's going to be able to get after the quarterback and affect Kirk Cousins a little bit. I'm just trying not to laugh, man. We're talking about the Vikings. The show doc says the Dolphins and I said the Bills. Like, Where did that go? <laughs> You're still way back there. I I, I don't know. I, I I love Quay Walker as an X factor. Um, and when I saw that you picked him, I I thought like this makes all of the sense in the world. He he's he's gonna have a big role. Talk about somebody that has a ton of promise. I I I have been so pleasantly surprised after I didn't really love the pick, and um, I I think he has been showing out. Still such a young player. It's you know it's still still some growing pains and and playing linebacker in the NFL is an adjustment period. But for such a young guy with not that much experience at Georgia to to play as well as he has has been really impactful. And for the Packers to know that they have that sideline to sideline speed going up against Dalvin Cook. I think that is going to be really, really important. So good call by you. Um, last week, I picked Rasul Douglas as my X factor. And I said, this could be a really big negative. This could be a really big positive, And yeah. it was kind of both. Yeah, like true. first yeah. half Rasul, very, very bad X factor. Second yeah. half Rasul, very, very good X factor. But we'll take it. Um, we, we take any wins that we can. I'm going to pick Christian Watson this week. And, and you know, obviously the caveat there, Watson has to play. I, I think the Packers odds in this game decrease drastically if Christian isn't available. I, I truly believe he changes the entire game plan. He pushes safeties back. He draws attention all over the field and he gives the Packers the one option where they don't have to sustain long drawn out drives every single time to move the ball. So if Watson plays, I think he has a massive game. I think he really starts to solidify himself as one of the best young wide receivers in the game. And we can finally forget about that stupid drop in week one. If Christian Watson doesn't play, my X factor is Devontae Wyatt. I like that pick too. Actually, I thought I honestly thought you were going to pick Wyatt just because I think we've been waiting for him to come around and be that guy. But um, I think our hearts are in the Christian Watson pick because of what it would mean for this team. And you're right. It changes everything if he's on the field. So, okay, we've gone through it all. We've got into the trenches. We've talked about where this game is going to be won, where it could be lost. But we still got to talk about path to victory here. How does Green Bay get it done? How do they keep their playoff hopes alive and make this happen on Sunday? Yeah, I, I think number one, they have to limit big plays, right? And and obviously Justin Jefferson is the elephant in the room. You but but the Packers have found a way to lose elephants in small rooms, right? If we want to keep up the metaphor. 
Um, <laughs> so, so you have to cover Justin Jefferson. You you have to always have bracket coverage. You cannot let that guy beat you. And even when he's covered, sometimes he still is going to make a play. So you're you're not going to limit him to nothing. But you have to contain at least the big plays and and those those crucial third downs. You just have to try to double them and make Kurt go somewhere else. But that being said, the the Vikings can get big plays from guys like Delvin Cook and TJ Hawkinson and even like a KJ Osborne. And so you cannot lose those guys. Yeah. And like I like to pick on Adrian Amos, and I'm sorry because Adrian Amos has been mm-hmm. a fantastic Packer up until yeah, this season, yes. but. Yeah. You can't just lose guys in coverage. You can't let KJ Osborne catch a 10-yard in route and then run an additional 35 yards because you take a bad angle. Mm-hmm. And and this is true of all of the Packers' safeties. Rudy Ford hasn't been playing very well. Uh, I know Darnell Savage got called into action, and it's like maybe he has to play just because he's the best athlete on the field. And if right. you're going to be yeah. not assignment sound, at least you have the speed to catch up. Yeah. Um, but the, the Packers' secondary just has to limit those big plays. The linebackers have to be attentive and not allow a lot of those like check downs mm-hmm. to turn into big, big gains. I, the Packers' offense has to be better in the red zone. They were pitiful uh, Sunday. Largely, they've been bad all season, and they just have to find a way to to punch those in. I don't know if it's getting the tight ends more involved, committing to the run, whatever it is. You know, we think that there's going to be an advantage on the inside, so maybe they can push those those Vikings interior defense alignment back a little bit and, and get some plays there, and then capitalize on turnovers. And I, I don't just mean scoring points off of turnovers. I mean when Kirk throws you the ball, you got to catch it. Right. And Kirk's going to throw you the ball. So you got to catch it. And if the Packers <laughs> take advantage of those turnovers and then are better in the red zone, I, I think they win this game. Yeah. Oh boy. I mean, so we're in a place here where like we have not gotten our hopes up about this team for months, right? You and I together, not in a negative way, but just in a realistic way, you highlighted some of those things like the inconsistencies in the back end with the safety play and uh, some of the being dinged up at corner with Stokes out. We talk about like, the edge rusher, you know, room is is depleted because Rashawn's gone. There's lots of reasons why this team should just mail it in and play for next year, but for whatever reason, they found a way to be in this hunt. And you've said it all here. I mean, it's about if they're going to do it, it's about limiting those big plays. Um, can they do it? I mean, that's a big question, right? Can they stop? the playmakers that can ruin this game for the Packers. But on the offensive side of the ball, it's about getting those touchdowns in the red zone. We talked about this last week, and at the beginning of the game, they didn't do it, right? They were putting up field goals, and it kind of felt like the game was going to slip away from them in Miami, but then they got some things figured out in the second half. So if they can minimize the mistakes, if they can minimize the drops, if they can get away from the penalties, because they are not a good enough team to bail themselves out over and over again. And we continue to see them doing that with some drops and penalties. that They put themselves in negative game scripts or in negative situations, and then it's really hard to get out of those spots. So if they are able to do those things, I think that's how they win this game, um, is in being efficient, cleaning up those mistakes, and being efficient, like I said. Um, if they can flip that switch and some of these young players can find their stride, it could be a really fun end of the season. There's just lots of reasons why it shouldn't happen, but I think that's why a lot of fans have that optimism that maybe it does. Maybe this is the way it happens. Yeah, I, I said at the beginning of the show, I think the Packers are a bad team, and maybe, maybe that's not fair. I think they were a bad team, and I think they're they're kind of trending towards an average uh, to maybe slightly above average team, and that that's not a knock on them. I mean, look at the rest of the NFC playoff run, right? right. We're talking about the Seahawks. They're bad. The Commanders, they're bad. The Giants, 
they're okay. Uh, the Cowboys look pretty bad. They're struggling with the Titans JV team right now. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you, you look out West, you have Brock Purdy leading the 49ers and right. suddenly they're a Super Bowl favorite, even though they have the, you know, Mr. Irrelevant leading the team. Um, it, it's, it's a bunch of bad teams yeah. in the NFC. And then the Vikings are like, okay, kind of good. And then the Eagles look great. And and so like who says the Packers can't do this? Right. Right? Yeah. Like all they have to do is go out and actually execute. Because if they don't, I'm gonna be hiding for the next mm. week because I don't want to deal with Vikings fans, <laughs> period, ever, ever. Right? Like just get out of my mentions. I don't care. Yeah, Paul Allen is disgusting and your franchise is garbage. Okay. Anyways, uh anything else that you want to add, Kyle, before we wrap this up? Uh, I mean, I just think it's interesting you point out like all of the the layers to that playoff picture that we're about to enter into. And we talked a little bit pre-show about what this looks like if we get in. And the 49ers obviously have been the boogeyman for this team in the past. But I mean, the Eagles, I think, have the best argument for being a sound, a, a well-rounded team going into the playoffs. I think that there's an expectation that they should go far. But even if you got the 49ers, like, yeah, I'm scared to go play that game in San Francisco the way that this has gone. To even get into the playoffs and then just have that again would be hard. But Brock Purdy has to lay an egg at some point, right? Mm -hmm. So even if you get in, like, there is no reason that until the end of the NFC playoffs that this team can't keep up with some of these teams, especially, like you said, like we're watching right now, a Dallas team really struggle against a Titans team that, really doesn't have anything to play for and they're, they're struggling. So it's interesting, man, things could get wild and we might just want to pay attention. Yeah. And you get into the tournament, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, everybody always calls back to 2010 and whatever. That team was never down more than one score and blah, blah, blah. They had Charles Woodson, <laughs> whatever. I get that. But that team was, it, it was more talented than the one we're seeing in 2022, but it was decimated by injuries. Yeah. I mean, they, they had guys playing that weren't even on the practice squad at the beginning of the year that were starting in the Super Bowl. Yeah. And and so, like, nothing's to say you can't do that. It's it's kind of a, a wild west in, in yeah. the NFC. Like, who knows? Somebody could knock the Eagles off for you. You could catch them at the right time. Jalen Hurts isn't totally healthy. There's a lot of weird things that can happen. So it's yep. just about getting into the tournament at this point. And so I think that's something to get really excited about. And I, I think this Sunday is going to be a ton of fun. But that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packer Day Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please subscribe and rate the podcast. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday next week. We'll be back talking key matchups and X-Factors for the Packers Week 18 matchup against the Detroit Lions. Thanks for listening, and as always, remember... happening daily. 
We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.